3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respects to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, listeners. You're on Thursday Breakfast, 3CR, 855am. Hello, Rosie. Good morning. Hopping out of the producer's studio into the into Studio One. Yeah, we are both, uh, look, a couple of rookies on the panel today, so apologies in advance for any technical issues. Um, but yeah, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm really excited for this show. I think it's going to be a really good one. Yeah, me too. Um, so maybe we'll just jump straight into the rundown. What do we have on for today? Do you want to tell us about the first interview, Priya? Right. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. So we're going to start off with an interview with Jay Coonan from the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Um, and Jay is the National Operations Coordinator for the AUWU and the Outgoing Policy Coordinator for the AUWU. And he joins us to discuss the coalition government's pretty abysmal raise to job seeker this week and the tightening of mutual obligations with the job line. And then uh, also about the AUWU's 80 a day campaign. That's going to be a great one, really important. And then we've got Ben Redford, the Director of Strategic Power at the United Workers' Union. And Ben's going to join us to update listeners about the government's proposed industrial relations bill, which is a pretty complicated bill, so I'm hoping um, he can shed some light on that and also talk to us about United Workers' Union's campaigns around stolen wages during the pandemic. Awesome. Um, and then after that, just because uh, we have three back-to-back union interviews, um, we have Sean, who's a renter in Thornbury and a member of the Renting and Housing Union's eviction defense team, and is also a, nem- uh, a neighbor to Louise, who joins us to speak about Rahu's Keep Louise Home campaign, um, which is going to have an event, uh, a protest, to keep Louise home in Thornbury uh, this coming weekend. And finally, we finish off the show with Alexander Powers, a DJ, music producer, event organiser, contemporary dancer and choreographer living and working on Wurundjeri land. And they're going to join us to talk about the upcoming launch launch of Power Trip, a label showcasing local queer dance music. It's going to be a packed show, four live interviews, but I think we've got it. Um, All right, so now uh, I think we're going to head into Carly with the news. Slavery is back. Welcome to a place where private business profit from a captive labour force, yet pennies are spent on medical services to a population in which the indigenous, the poor and the mentally ill are overrepresented. Where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison. It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have one view, the people who work in the prison system would have another, and I think it's up to people to decide uh, where the truth is. Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Doin' Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues from Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your community radio 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. 
Earth Greetings have been making sustainable beautiful since 2003. Their 100% recycled cards, plastic-free stationery and earth-friendly gifts are made in Australia with the lightest possible planetary footprint. Shop online at earthgreetings.com.au or at one of over 500 stockists Australia-wide. Earth Greetings is a 3CR supporter. Renata from the IWD Collective. We're calling feminists of all genders and feminist allies. March 8th is International Women's Day and this year it's special as it's also Labor Day in Victoria and a public holiday. This year's rally in March will kick off at 2pm at the steps of Parliament House and then we'll make our way through the CBD to the State Library. Come early and be part of a momentous event. There will also be a limited after-party at the Queen Victoria Women's Centre. See you there. A 3CR supporter. As we go marching, marching, we're standing proud and tall. The rising of the women means the rising of us all. All right. Um, and now we're going to go to Carly with the news. Hey, Carly, can you hear us? Yeah. Hey, Priya. Hey, Rosie. Good, Good morning. morning. <laughs> right. So let's get into it. The 25th of February. Facebook reverses its Australian news ban after government agrees to change its media bargaining code. Josh Frydenberg and Paul Fletcher announced on Tuesday a compromise with the social media giant had been reached. The media bargaining code may not apply to Facebook if the company can demonstrate it has signed enough deals with media outlets to pay them for content. The government has also agreed that Facebook and other platforms would be subject to the code will be given a month's notice to comply. Josh Frydenberg stated, the amendments will strengthen the hand of regional and small publishers in obtaining appropriate remuneration for the use of their content by the digital platforms. However, Currently, it is the traditional media outlets, such as Seven West Media and Nine Entertainment, pursuing commercial deals with Facebook. Earlier this week, the Victorian Government announced a Royal Commission into Crown Melbourne, following on from findings in the Bergen Inquiry into Crown's Sydney Casino Licence earlier this month. The Victorian Royal Commission will look specifically at the suitability of Crown Resorts Limited to be the operator of the Melbourne Casino. However, the Royal Commission will fall short of investigating gambling regulations more broadly. And now to Victoria. COVID-19 quarantine, which authorities have approached Australian security company Mojin to use the robots in hotel quarantine trial. These robots were trialled during last year's US Open tournament to guide tennis players in quarantine hotels. The robots roamed floors, checked doors to hotel rooms, that was shut, ID'd people via facial recognition and notified security through noise level sensing. COVID-19 Quarantine Victoria stated, we're always looking at new ways to improve and strengthen the quarantine program, including exploring how new technology can play a role within the quarantine system. And lastly, to Perth, where police are searching for a man who had a SWAT sticker painted on his head who attempted to burn an Aboriginal mother and daughter with a flamethrower. 
The white supremacist was captured on CCTV yelling racial obscenities at the 40-year-old woman before attempting to burn her with a makeshift flamethrower made using a can of deodorant and lighter. The mother received minor burns to her arms, but her daughter was not injured. And that's all I have for news headlines on the 25th of February. Thanks so much, Carly. And I think it really is appalling that um, with the last headline you mentioned, there's been so little like media coverage of that incident. Um, yeah, I think there's been a lot of advocacy, obviously, by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people on social media to get more noise made about that. But uh, it's really horrible to see that these acts of vigilante violence can um, really sort of pass people by if... Um, if there's no concerted attention to them. Yeah. And I mean, it also then goes to the importance of social media these days um, to make sure that we're getting the full scope of media. Because, yeah, when I was trying to read a bit more about that news in Perth, um, a lot of the major news companies were just um, inserting the same uh, descriptions um, on each news um, article and a lot of the news articles didn't outline that it was an Aboriginal mother and daughter. Yeah, it's so shameful that there's no like, there's no impetus to do any original investigation around this. Um, Yeah, it's really shocking. Um, Well, thank you so much, Carly, for uh, joining us with the headlines. Um, And now, Rosie? Yeah, we're going to go into a song. So this one is Hold On by Emma Donovan and the Putbacks. Thanks, Carly.
And that was Hold On by Emma Donovan and the Putbacks. And uh, I just wanted to remind listeners that um, Subscriber Drive was uh, last week. And if you forgot to subscribe last week, there's still time. So um, get on the phone to 3CR, subscribe by phone, 94198377. Um, it's really important to subscribe. It means becoming part, it means becoming a member, part of a community, part of community radio. It's so crucial to be supporting independent media like Priya and Carly were discussing. We need independent media to hold. Uh, other media to account and really lift the voices of um, our community. So, yeah, just hop on the phone or on the website um, and subscribe. And now we're going to go into another track before our first interview this morning. This is Kuyanil Church. If I purge it already, I'll be quick to return See my anesthetic, I got holes in my shirt Yeah, I am broke, baby, but I make the pussy purr You could ask my lady what it's like to be her I'm an Eastside baby, but I've been around the earth What's this tree like, baby? Cause my smoke fucking burns Yeah, I've seen some places, but I keep to my cup I don't share location, cause I'm these type to love Fuck a beehive shaker, cause enough shit hurts Fuck a pig and it's bacon Fuck the whole damn hood Hit the rewind, baby Cause I zoned out again I don't reply, baby I don't see why, baby I'm up three nights, baby Fucking see guys crazy What they look like I drift by lazy on a crook bike Blew my haze into some good night was Before I count my blessings Almost shook my cup I'm what you like, baby So you know I'm honest What would you like, baby? I could move the earth for you Too high, baby My functions don't work I'm a you type of faded to your spirits like church The fact how I face it Mapped out the basement Spat out the casing, huh? Been a little while since I've been at the station I don't need to go back there You could never find a replacement Got a gag set, looking at the aliens Water gets deep, but still steady sailing Hear me next week, cause my energy's waning Now I'm fatigued, and the city keeps raining uh. Kinda hard to relate to the border. I was popping every misdemeanor all the way to order. I was 21 years trying to suck up my question. I was 22 when we got back in the borders. We already flew in clean flu, coughing on the poison. I was born around the way on a spot you can't loiter. Invasion Day, you can't compare that to the First Fleet because Invasion Day was the start of the dispossession, murder, massacres and the total annihilation of some people on a continent that had existed since time immemorial. So Scott Morrison, if he really wants to leave this country, he needs to shut his mouth in regards to those comments and really understand that Australian Day cannot be celebrated. It is a day of mourning for our people, and they would not celebrate the Holocaust. You know, so I don't understand how that is any different than what our people went through 
because the genocide continues today. Like Scott Morrison really needs to take a step back and listen to the voices on the ground because he's really ignorant in my view. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. song that you just heard before was Church by Kuya Neil. And um, as you can tell, we are uh, still figuring things out a bit. So we might just chuck on another song for you. The next one is going to be Please You uh, by Becca Hatch featuring Planet Vegeta. Know this shit a challenge. Shorty little baddie with the fatty, I gotta have it. Finger tricky cappy when I shoot it, it's automatic. You don't have to be a star, baby, you with the planet. You don't have to flex, see you shining, it's automatic.
And that track there was Please You, Feet, sorry, by Becca Hatch, Feet, Planet, Vegeta. And uh, we just want to thank Carly for those awesome tracks she sent through this morning. Not only does she bring us amazing headlines from Brisbane, but also music for this morning. Six years I've been in Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well. Online at any time, just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash beyond the bars. But also while I'm here I'd like to say thank you for all for coming um, helping, giving us a chance to do this it's really good, you know, it's been going for a while now hopefully it goes, it keeps going you know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners We can't blame everything on the external so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor because real power comes from here and it comes from family if you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03 I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Tuesday, 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. News and music from West Papua. back on Thursday Breakfast, 3CR, 8.55 a.m. And now I'm going to go to an interview with Jay Coonan, who's the National Operations Coordinator for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, who's joining us to discuss um, the coalition government's abysmal raise to the job seeker payment and the tightening of mutual obligations and also the Australian Unemployed Workers Union's 80-a-day campaign. Um, so, so, Jay, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Priya. Um, so maybe we can start out with this abysmal and really insulting raise to JobSeeker two days ago that was announced by the coalition government. So um, can you tell us a bit about that raise? Um, what was it and how does this match the actual need uh, for an adequate JobSeeker payment? Sure. So basically uh, the government has cut 
the COVID supplement that was $150 back uh, to the $250, which is now going to be an increase to the permanent base rate. So as much as they're calling it an increase, uh, it's pretty much a cut. Uh, so it works out towards $50 a fortnight, which is $25 a week, and that's $3.57 a day extra. So if anything, it's more in line with the, the uh, annual indexation that comes about, um, and all it does is lift the uh, unemployment rate or uh, payment rate uh, to the second lowest uh, in the OECD after Greece. So pretty much like it doesn't meet any need whatsoever, particularly after, uh, you know, a global pandemic where we've had a massive recession and millions of people are still out of work. Uh, so it, it still keeps people below the poverty line and it doesn't actually meet the day-to-day needs of people who are, you know, genuinely need to pay their bills and, you know, put food on the table for their families. Absolutely. And I think it's also really sort of appalling that this then passes, at least as a technicality, as the government committing to a raise of the payment, even though, um, as you've mentioned, it actually functionally works out to be a cut. Um, So not only was this announced, but also um, we had the announcement from Michaela Cash about the what is effectively a dob line to uh, dob in job seekers who uh, fail, uh, and I'm using their language, to to take on uh, employment opportunities that are provided to them. So could you tell us a bit about um, about that, but also within the context of how bad mutual obligations requirements already are? Yeah, sure. So um, just generally, mutual obligations are pretty punitive um, and are operated by a private uh, employment service. Uh, system. So it was essentially privatised in 97, um, and what they do is make sure that you're applying for jobs. They uh, force you into training courses. Uh, after 12 months at the moment, you're forced into a, a work for the Dole, which is essentially a forced labour program. Um, so, and the you know it's an understaffed system, so pretty much it's just designed to penalise uh, unemployed people rather than assist them into employment. So what they announced. On um, what is it now? Tuesday, oh, on Tuesday, in in, in uh, line with the twenty-five dollar a week increase, was that uh, they were now going to introduce this uh, dob line for employers, where they can call up and say that if an, empo- uh, an unemployed person turned down a job, they can call the department and essentially dob them in, and then the department would uh, investigate and potentially find, or you know cancel this person's. Um, payments. And they're doing this based off purely anecdotal evidence, uh, which there is no evidence for. It's purely anecdotal uh, that, you know, all these job seekers are turning down these, like, all these jobs. But, like, what we know is that the jobs aren't there uh, and that there's millions of people still unemployed. So the reason why they did this, though, it shouldn't just be seen, we shouldn't believe their uh, anecdotes. It's just simply because they did the increase, which is abysmal, um, but they need to, you know, obviously, like, sell it to the public. So they give them the $25 in increase and also say that, like, oh, if you, if you turn down a job, you know, these bosses can dock you in. It's all about, you know, the uh, visuals for the public. But the other aspect of that as well is now that, you know, the 12 at 12 months you do work for the doll, but now they're introducing a, 
another aspect of uh, intensive training at the six-month period, which may also include um, uh, work experience. So we're yet to see any of the details on this. Uh, we've contacted the department to ask the details, and they've said that there aren't really any details. So this just seems, yet again, policy on the fly from a, you know, a terrible, terrible government. Yeah, and I mean, you know, this also makes me think of... Uh some of what the AEW has been talking about regarding uh, propaganda and the idea that there are abundant and well-paid fruit-picking jobs uh, that people are just turning down. Does this link into that too? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what we do know from this, the whole propaganda aspect is that, you know, unemployed people are taking these fruit-picking jobs. Like there's, you know, I, I can't remember the figure, but there's tens of thousands of people who have gone into this, uh, you know, program to pick in regional areas. They may not be coming from city areas, but they're certainly uh, in the job active system or they have been unemployed as a result of the pandemic and they've gone to pick fruit. So, but I mean, that aspect to it is, you know, they're, they're just lying about that uh, aspect as well is because, you know, these agriculturalists, all they want is uh, to get offshore labour uh, that they can essentially abuse and underpay uh, in order to, you know, make profits, whereas it's so much harder to do that with, um, you know, unemployed people uh, in the in the cities. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think this really leads into the launch of the Australian Unemployed Workers Union's 80 a day campaign. So what are some of the key demands that uh, that you've been asking for with that campaign? Yeah, so the 80 a day campaign is, you know, just mainly obviously focused on bringing uh, payments above the poverty line. Um, and also, uh, as a part of the 80 a day, it's actually connected to our week of action, which is going to be held from the 15th to the 19th of March, which we're doing um, in uh, with the support of uh, Get Up and uh, Livable Incomes for Everyone. So the demands are, yeah, obviously income above the poverty line, to abolish mutual obligations, to end the cashless welfare card, um, and part of you know, the week of action and the campaign is we're going to go to Canberra to do some lobbying, um, hold some events uh, in person like uh, panels and whatnot, uh, also online events as well. And uh, hopefully, uh, if all goes to plan and COVID doesn't wreck our plans, uh, we will hold a in-person rally on the 19th of March. Um, and so we're hoping to... We're in the process of getting that sorted, but it will be obviously the AEWU um, and trade union groups uh, and non-affiliated trade union groups like RAFU and RAHU. Um, and we'll do some speaking events at uh, the Commonwealth offices and then do a march to Fair Work uh, where we'll have some speakers there. So, yeah, this is the beginning, hopefully, of a, large, a much larger movement that the 80-a-day campaign can actually carry on from the week of action and right up through to the election and right up until the day that we can actually see uh, payments increase above the poverty line for everyone who needs it. Yeah, and I mean, um, this sort of suite of actions that you're engaging in is also something that's leading up to a federal election um, where we're probably going to see, you know, you know, we really need to see, I think, a bit more from Labor on this as well. I know they supported a Greens motion yesterday uh, to raise the rate uh, above the poverty line, but they need to name that rate. So could you break that down a little bit for listeners? 
Yeah, sure. So uh, the Labor Party have always been highly cynical of the Greens' motions in the Senate um, and just claim that they delay it. But yesterday, for reasons uh, quite unknown, the uh, Labor government supported a Greens motion that essentially said to raise payments above the poverty line. Um, so kind of taken taken uh, aback by that because right up until now, the Labor line has essentially been that uh, they cannot decide what the rate is because, you know, they don't have access to, like, budget expenditure, et cetera, uh, in order to make that assessment. So they would refuse to announce a rate uh, before they could get into government. So the reason behind that is apparently the coalition will attack them. But, yeah, yesterday they agreed to support a rate above the poverty line. Um, not quite sure what that means. Uh, had a check-in with them and... Essentially, they're saying that they support us, um, but they're, they're just still failing to name the rate, which is, you know, quite shocking for a party of the people. Um, so what we do expect is that uh, even though they've supported this for reasons unknown, they're going to find some, you know, linguistic gymnastics in order to backflip their way out of this one. So I look forward to being disappointed by that. And also raising hell to make it harder for them to do that. Well, bleak, and we'll be here if you want to talk about that. Um, but I, I also wanted to turn to some of the media coverage that we've had this week um, about issues around uh, the job seeker rate, mutual obligations, and so on. Um, and something that I've really noticed is there's been, um, I guess, I don't know, it's, it's been pretty terrible to see that there hasn't been an active centering of the voices of unemployed workers and and the AUWU as a peak body uh, for unemployed workers front and centre speaking on these issues. So could you maybe just break it down as to why it's so important to have unemployed workers at the centre of these conversations? Yeah, for sure. Um, so whenever they seem to uh, discuss unemployment, they, they tend to dish out these, you know, policy wonks um, from think tanks or institutes to talk about how the lives of unemployed people could be made better um, or they'll, you know, roll out uh, not-for-profit people on six figures to talk about the importance of ensuring that people have food on their table. You know, well, obviously it is, you know, we uh, respect that people are out there, you know, working to end poverty in Australia. I think it, what... What the media and politicians really kind of miss is the lived experience that comes about from actually living in poverty. And, you know, so it's not about, you know, all these, you know, grand uh, policy proposals. It's not about the food that's on the table. It's about the experience of the day-to-day lives of people of what it's like to live under the thumb of an oppressive government uh, who just essentially bullies you in the media and claims that you're lazy and pathetic, but they don't provide you with, uh, you know, an income to assist you to be able to find jobs, to be able to pay your rent, and, you know, essentially puts all this shame and stigma on you. If we had more people, unemployed people, or people on any form of payment, basically, uh, out front and centre in the media to, you know, essentially speak about their experience, to connect with people through the media, uh, I think we would have a far better, more robust discussion about, you know, you know, the, the rate of the payment or the conditions of low-quality uh, employment or even, you know, all the other experiences. So, yeah, I'd say less wonks, more unemployed people.
Yeah. And I mean, this is also like a really important thing to emphasize and something that came out of what you were saying just there is the fact that um, not only are uh, unemployed people, you know, the best equipped to speak on those experiences, but they're also engaged in political analysis from from the place that they're that they're standing. You know, it's um, it's not just policy wonks that have these political analyses that they're able to, um, you know, put forward on major media platforms. It's, you know, there's there's a lot of really sophisticated analysis going from people attempting to manage to live in poverty, which, you know, people have had to for so long um, with the failure to raise the rate. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So how can people get involved and uh, learn more about the 80 a day campaign and other work that the Australian Unemployed Workers Union is doing? Yeah, so uh, for starters, the 80 a day campaign, we've got a, uh, we've put up a website this week that people can jump onto. It's just simply 8080aday.org. Uh, from there, you can hit the join the campaign, pop in your details, and we'll be able to st- uh, keep in touch with you with materials, events, um, and, you know, any more information about uh, that. And from there, you've also got links to our social media. But any more information about the AUWU, you can get in touch with us uh, at the our website, which is auwu.org.au, um, and there we've got some materials on, um, you know, your rights in the employment services system. But also there's, um, you know, uh, our phone our hotline, which is one eight hundred AUWU for you, um, and you can also get in touch with us on Facebook and Twitter too. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Priya. And that was Jay Coonan, the National Operations Coordinator for the AUWU, who joined us to discuss the coalition government's abysmal raise to job seeker, the tightening of mutual obligations, and the AUWU's 80-a-day campaign. Jay is also the outgoing policy coordinator for the AUWU. name is Selva Coolidgelvin and I am fighting for my life. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have to flee your own country, spend days or weeks in a leaky boat on dangerous rolling seas and then arrive in a new country where you are terrorised even more? Well, that's the life confronting millions of people in this world who have no choice but to seek asylum. All these people want is a fair go, but here in Australia, our government, in our name, treats these desperate people with cruelty and inhumanity. Here at 3CR, we aim to give these people a voice, a chance to speak out and let you know that they are just like us, people with hopes and aspirations, people who deserve to be treated as we would expect to be treated if we found ourselves in this position. Refugee Radio is the voice of refugees. 10am every Sunday at 3CR 855 on the AM dial. To say I'm not a worthless human being Cause no one needs a worthless human being My family need a worthwhile human being Hi everyone, my name's Robbie Thorpe I'm with 3CR Community Radio Every year we have a subscription drive It's a way of supporting our organisation Maintain itself through the year And we rely on the support of the, the community One way to do that is to subscribe and become a member. Become part of this organisation itself. Get in contact with 3CR. You can go to the website, 3cr.org.au, or you can ring on 
9419 3CR ensures that our voices, Aboriginal voices, are heard on this radio station. So it's a good way of supporting Aboriginal people as well by becoming a subscriber for 3CR Community Radio. So, here you are, too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. Panoply, panorama, panpipe, pansy, aha, pansexual, knowing no boundaries of sex or gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855am digital and 3cr.org.au. You're on 3CR Thursday morning breakfast. And next up, we have Ben Redford, the Director of Strategic Power at the United Workers' Union. Ben joins us to update listeners on the government's proposed industrial relations bill and also to discuss the United Workers' Union's campaigns around stolen wages during the pandemic. Welcome, Ben. G'day, how are you going? Yeah, good, thank you. Just to begin, Ben, I was wondering if you could uh, just tell listeners a little bit about the UWU. You've been on the program before as an organisation, but who are the workers um, that are part of your union and what are the wor- what's the work that you do? Yeah, sure. Look, we're um, an amalgamation of the old um, United Voice Union and uh, the National Union of Workers. So, so it means we sort of cover workers right across the economy from food and beverage production, um, including farm workers, uh, to distribution and warehousing, uh, but also education, including early education, um, health, aged care, uh, disability support, um, also hospitality, including casinos and and restaurants and and pubs and stuff, um, uh, but also contracting as well, like like contract cleaning and contract security and and, and lots of other workers in between. yeah, we've got we've got lots of programs running and, and lots of campaigns running all the time. Um, you know, whether it be our you know our Hospo Voice Wage Theft campaign or uh, our campaign to to sort of fix Australia's broken aged care system, um, our campaign for justice for farm workers, um, uh, or, or even you know just sort of action at, at specific workplaces where where workers are standing together to to sort of try and win change. Um, you know, the chemist warehouse dispute, uh, the, the West End brewery dispute over in, in Adelaide last year, the Coles dispute in Sydney, um, you know, McCormick Foods dispute, which is just teeing off now, just, 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 just to name a few. Yeah, thank you, God. It's a huge remit, isn't it? It's really a lot of workers and so many people are affected by job insecurity and the pandemic and everything. But just to turn now to um, the government's uh, proposed Fair Work Act, 
Act, which is called Fair Work Act Supporting Australia's Jobs and Economic Recovery Bill, or also called Omnibus Bill. Um, it's been through a number of iterations, a pretty complex bill. So could you give listeners a little overview of that legislation and perhaps talk about a couple of the changes that would impact casual and insecure workers in particular? Yeah, sure. So look, the, the, the bill's aimed at making changes to the Fair Work Act, um, including about how casual employment works, how part-time employment works, um, how enterprise bargaining works, um, some things about wage theft laws and, and, a, and, a, and a couple of other sort of incidental matters. Um, the, the worst things are for, for insecure workers in this, proposed legislation are probably the changes to casual employment and also the changes to part-time uh, work. So so the changes to casual arrangements are essentially designed to kind of validate sham casual arrangements. So so currently it's not uncommon for a person who's really working permanently, so same shifts, long-term engagement, you know, regularity of engagement. It's not called a casual and then denied the efforts of permanent engagement, like, like sick leave and annual leave and stuff. Um, but some of those workers have been successful in, in overturning those those kind of sham arrangements in, in the courts. And this, this legislation would change that so that if you're called a casual, then under this law you're deemed to be, to be a, a casual worker, even if all of the hallmarks of your employment are of a permanent nature and it will mean that then you'll be denied those benefits of permanent employment. So that's that's what the casual changes are designed to do to validate those sham arrangements. And then the changes to, to part-time engagement are these are only aimed at a select group of workers who have been singled out for, for kind of for special treatment. So workers that are covered by a select group of awards which include uh, our hospitality awards and, and also the retail awards. Um, and they're aimed at, at workers who are part-time, but, but they're in a position where the likelihood is they might be asked to stay back and work past their normal roster, say stay back late or something. And in most circumstances, that worker would be entitled to an overtime payment when that happens. Um, but this legislation would allow their employer to ask them to work that extra time for no overtime payment. Um, and so if it's passed, it's just it's the kind of change that just encourages that idea of workers being pushed to work extra hours without extra compensation. And it, it just it generally contributes to that idea as a worker. You know, you don't know from one week to the next how long you'll be working, you know, whether you're going to finish on time, whether you're going to get called back in or sort of what your wage will be. So I think I think those two are the most significant changes, proposed changes for for, for insecure work and will just contribute to um, the, the insecure work crisis in our, in our country. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really familiar story, isn't it? The whole just further, further casualisation. Um, it's really shocking. Uh, the Attorney General and Minister for Industrial Relations, Kristen Porter, um, was quoted as saying about this legislation that it will, quote, deliver greater protections for workers, help to regrow jobs and drive up wage growth. I was just hoping that you could speak to these claims and why these logics continue to be so damaging to working conditions and wages and, effect- and effectively just also completely um, useless in in trying to uh, achieve the cited goal of economic recovery. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, I've heard him saying stuff like that. I mean, the, the, the first thing is that 
you know, there's nothing in this legislation that has anything to do with wage growth, you know, you know, at all. Um, I mean, even if I was going to sort of switch sides and, and try and, you know, argue the toss for the for the Attorney General, I, I mean, there's nothing in the legislation at all to draw on um, in support of the idea that, that this is going to contribute to wage growth. Um, you know, there's nothing about the legislation about sort of getting more money into workers' pockets and getting that money then sort of flowing around the economy. Uh, I mean, there are some changes proposed in relation to bargaining, but they're not about making bargaining easier or addressing issues in our bargaining system around, you know, workers not being able to bargain with multiple employers or, or across an industry or across a, a supply chain. It's not, it's not about that. It's about, you know, just sort of making it easier to railroad workers into accepting a, a substandard deal. That's what, that's what this legislation does in relation to bargaining. So it doesn't, it doesn't address issues around workers being able to bargain for better wages and therefore deal with the wage stagnation crisis that has been going on now in, in, in Australia for, um, the better part of five years and it's just been exacerbated by the pandemic. It doesn't, doesn't address that, you know, sort of at all. Um, I think the idea, I think when he talks about growing jobs, I think the idea is, is, you know, if you can pay people less, you can employ more people. I think that's the theory. And it's just nonsense. You know, I mean, no, no research supports that, that, that notion that, you know, if you, if you're, if you're paying, if you're, if you're required to pay someone 20 bucks an hour and you could pay them 10 bucks an hour, that means you'll employ two people instead of one. Like no, no one, no economist thinks that. Um, you know, they, they cut penalty rates and it, and it didn't, it didn't create one job. Um, I, I, I just think this is, it, it, this must be just a play to, to the sort of the conservative base and, and probably the small business lobby. Um, you know, I mean, as much as it is a damaging piece of legislation for workers and should be, and we hope will be opposed, it, it, it's a, you know, it's a fiddle, really. I mean, it's got no serious policy chops behind it, this, this legislation. Um, and the rhetoric from, you know, people like the Attorney General is sort of, it's sort of almost even half-hearted, you know, like that's just the same old line they always say. Um, and, and, and I, you know, um, I think they're just sort of trotting out the same old lines and kind of hoping for the best. I think that's what those comments are sort of about. Yeah, absolutely. Can definitely agree. Same old line, um, same old policy and just, uh, pushing it out there again. Um, so just to sli- shift slightly, the UWU has also been running campaigns on stolen wages that you mentioned a little bit before, um, for quite a while now and the issue continues to be rife, especially in industries like hospitality, uh, cleaning and also fruit picking that you mentioned, um, and also disproportionately affects international students and migrant workers. So could you just tell listeners a bit about the issue, why it's so pervasive and how it's been exacerbated by the pandemic? Yeah, sure. Like, so, Look, ultimately, I think wage theft continues to be a really serious issue because some employers still think they can get away with it. Um, and, you know, every every wage theft case that has got legs, you know, that has got some momentum and that we've had some success with, has either involved a, a incredibly courageous group of people who have had the guts 
to kind of speak out about the issue and come forward and, and risk their job and their reputation and sort of the blowback that might come with it. Or, or the union was involved, or, and usually it's been both. Usually I, I, the, the successful wage theft cases that you've seen that have got some publicity have involved those two features. And so in workplaces where there is no organisation and no union and, and, and a sort of an effective system of worker repression, employers still feel emboldened to try and kind of cut corners and, and think that they won't get caught. Uh, and, you know, they look out across the, uh, you know, the factory and they see no union, a terrified workforce, and they think, well, you know, who's going to, who's going to, who's going to kind of dob us in, you know? Um, and, and so, you know, ultimately stuff like wage theft laws and, and better systems to, to prosecute for wage theft recovery are, are really important and they're good, but nothing replaces a workforce that's organised and, and unionised. Um, you know, has the pandemic made this worse? You probably. Um, the pandemic has probably prevented, in some cases, unions getting out there and, and organising, and that's probably involving some employers in, in the way in the way I'm, I'm describing. So I think that's why this issue continues to be a really serious issue. Yeah, thank you, Ben. And uh, just before we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you how listeners could find out more about these kinds of campaigns, reach out to the UWU, join the union um, and uh, support your campaigns. Yeah, sure. So, look, the, probably the best thing to do is to go to our, um, go to our website, which is unitedworkers.org.au, uh, and there you, you know there you can join up you can get information about our campaigns and you can you can get involved um, we're pretty massive so the odds are that whatever kind of line of work you're in there's a fair chance you might well be eligible to be part of our, our union and be covered by us and and if you are you can join you can get involved and and you can you know you can help make real change in, in your workplace um, in your industry and in, and in our um, community so I'd, I'd urge urge people to 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 come on board and get and get involved in our union. Thank you so much for joining us, Ben. And that was Ben oh. Redford, the Director of Strategic Power at the United Workers Union, joining us to discuss the government's proposed industrial relations bill and also campaigns around stolen wages. You're on 3CR Thursday morning breakfast. Featuring world-changing documentaries aimed at inspiring a better world, This year's Transitions Film Festival covers themes of art, activism, climate change, social innovation, epic architecture and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, available virtually from February the 26th to March the 15th, online and nationwide. The Transitions Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. The Rainbow Door is a free, culturally safe, specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA plus Victorians. The helpline provides information, support and referral from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention and sexual assault. For information, support and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1-800-729-367. That's 1-800-729-367. 10am to 6pm every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter.
The Black Lives Matter movement is not going away here or overseas. It gives me hope seeing the numbers of people that turn out to these Invasion Day demonstrations in Melbourne. It gives me the understanding that we will win, folks. We will succeed! Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. And we're back on 3CR Thursday Breakfast, 8.55 a.m., and now we're going to go to an interview with Sean, who's a renter in Thornbury, a member of the Renting and Housing Union's eviction defense team, and a neighbor to Louise, who joins us to speak about Rahu's Keep Louise Home campaign. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thanks. So uh, maybe we'll start out with uh, the event that sort of sparked off our conversation. So Louise Good, who's a resident of Thornbury and Melbourne's North, was recently evicted from her home of 29 years, which I understand is owned by a community housing provider. So how did this come about, and how did you get involved in supporting her? Uh, yeah, well, my housemates and I first noticed the situation with Louise when armed security, police, and fencing companies arrived and evicted Louise in uh, early February. Several members from our neighbourhood showed up on the day to support her. Uh, and then later that week, we made contact with her to understand what had happened and hear her story. I suggested getting in contact with Rahu, the Renting and Housing Union, as their materials helped me get like a significant rent reduction at my previous home. Turns out Louise had already done that. And later I found out she'd all exhausted pretty much every legal option uh, in fighting against this eviction. Uh, Rahu's casework team had offered her support previously, but it's incredibly complicated and gone through this 12-year legal battle in the Supreme Court. Uh, I brought this up with Rahu's eviction defence team, and together we started reaching out to the wider community to help push back against her eviction. Um, Louise has experienced the first-hand social housing being transformed from something that worked to where it is today, with decade-long wait lists for public housing and predatory community housing organisations. This innocent woman becoming homeless is the result of when a community community housing provider takes over your dwelling. And this is an industry problem that, like, no amount of regulation is going to solve. Housing insecurity is one of the highest principles, and Rahu's team is starting to see that eviction rates actually could be higher from these community housing model providers uh, as opposed to private tenancies. Louise is a 65-year-old woman who has spent 29 years of her life in this home, building her garden, helping her neighbours, and can't see a future where she's living anywhere else. I haven't done the math, but 29 years of paying rent means she's probably paid for the market value of this property many times over. She doesn't have much fight left, and that's why Rahu and our neighbourhood are ready to support her to keep her home. Thank you for uh, breaking that down for us. So, um, as you've mentioned, this has been a very, very long battle. And what are some of the other avenues that Louise has tried to seek support um, with the eviction, and what happened with those avenues? Yeah, Louise has tried everything in the past 12 years. Um, name a relevant MP, local estate, she's contacted them. Name a non-for-profit, they've already tried to help. 
She was told by, like, Dan Andrews' office that her case would be taken care of. Housing organisations just try and rehouse her elsewhere. Um, the legal system, VCAP, the court, they're not designed to help people like Louise have a home and keep it. It really shouldn't be this hard for someone to stay in a home she's established roots in and cares about so much. Yeah, it is really disappointing to see how uh, Louise has been let down by the system, especially um, in light of the fact that the Andrews government is announcing things like the big housing build and those kinds of things to purportedly expand social housing um, and using language that makes it sound really inclusive while failing people like Louise. So how is Rahu supporting Louise to navigate the situation and what are her key asks? Well, our demand and Louise's demand is simple. We want her to be able to return home. Rahu's been involved with the legal avenues, but considering that it's been a 12-year battle where the power lies in the state and these predatory housing organisations, it's an uphill fight. Louise wants the state government and housing organisations to be exposed for their lack of empathy of what they're doing to her. Common Equity Housing Limited must reverse this eviction. We're asking the community to call these companies with us to ask what's good about their actions, and we're holding a community rally with the neighbourhood on Saturday. So, yeah, def- I think, like, it's really important for other people to get involved in this as well. And I think, you know, as somebody who's also a resident of the local area, I'm really looking forward to getting involved uh, in the action on Saturday. But before we sort of discuss exactly what people can do, could you briefly kind of situate Louise's case within the sort of broader context of the impending end of the eviction moratorium? Because clearly evictions are already happening. Yeah, um, well... Louise has been evicted during the COVID-19 eviction memoriam, which started uh, in March 28th last year and is meant to be extended to March 29. Um, so we're, we're asking Dan Andrews and the Housing Minister, Richard Wine, who's actually safe against these evictions. Louise's situation shows that vulnerable people might not be protected by what's protecting the middle class. Louise's story speaks to the system, systemic issues of community housing. Community housing tenants haven't faced the same protections as private renters, which is why Rahu continues to demand the state and federal government to improve and expand public housing and stop this private sector rot. Some terminations and evictions have continued to happen throughout COVID-19, and the memoriam has offered some protections. Rahu has helped hundreds of renters defend against terminations, rental debt collection, by showing that we've been affected by the pandemic and we can't be made to pay for this crisis. Um... So, yeah, the eviction ban ends in under five weeks on March 29th, and we expect many more situations like this to happen. And this is what Riot has been organising for. Many renters are staring down a wall of debt, rent increases, and the eviction clock. We're demanding the moratorium and rent reductions are extended, debt cancelled, if we're all to come out of this crisis and stay in our homes. Thank you. Um, so finally, how can people help to keep, keep Louise home and also find out more about the work that Rahu does and possibly contact them if they have any questions themselves? Yeah, for sure. So the biggest thing would be to join off with the neighbourhood this Saturday, 12pm, 49 Newman Street, Thornbury. Um, for details of how you can help with the campaign in general, follow Rahu on Twitter, at Rahu Union. They're also on Facebook, Instagram. We've had a petition um, that was organised by a, a local community member, uh, tinyurl.com slash home. It's got almost 35,000 signatures. Um, and then also head over to the Rahu website to join Rahu, rahu.org.au. 
Um, we just want to stop the addictions, and we need to start with the ways. Absolutely, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk us through this. I'll see you there on Saturday, and I encourage as many other people uh, as possible to get there. So thank you so much for your time, Sean. Well, thanks for your time. Awesome. See you there. See ya. All right, and that was a conversation with Sean, who's a renter in Thornbury, a member of the Renting and Housing Union's eviction defense team, and a neighbor to Louise, who joined us to speak about Rahu's Keep Louise Home campaign. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. I'm Alphonse. I'm Erwin. And we, we are, are from, from the Voice of West Papua. Tuesday, 6.30 until 7.30 p.m. News and music from West Papua. You're on 3CR, Thursday morning breakfast, and now we're going to go into another tune sent to us by Carly. This is Medusa by Jesua. Shit down. Go, baby, move that money maker. We coming for the 
checks, we coming for the paper. Go, baby, move that money, go, baby, move that money, go, baby, go, baby, go, 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 baby, move that money, make up. We coming for the checks, we coming for the paper. For the and that was Medusa by Jess War. We've got a common enemy. The same government that locks up these refugees just behind us here at the Park Hotel is the same government that's going for our rights, trying to attack the very limited gains that casuals have. And so when union activists take up the cause of refugees amongst their fellow workers, it's not an act of charity. It's about building workers' united self-defence mechanism, understanding that we're all part of the same battle. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 9419 And we're back on Thursday morning breakfast, 3CR, 855 AM. So now joining us is Alexander Powers, who is a DJ, music producer, event organizer, contemporary dancer, and choreographer living and working on Wurundjeri land. They join us to talk about the upcoming launch of Power Trip, which is a label showcasing local queer dance music. Hey, Alexander, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Hey, no problem. Thanks, thanks for having me on. No worries. Alexander, you're uh, one of the most talented techno and hard dance DJs in Nam, and you have performed at Soft Centre Festival and Hybrid Festival and contributed to mixes for Disc Woman and Boiler Room Hard Dance, and last year you released two EPs. Um, could you talk us through your journey of DJing and music production? Sure. Um, well, uh, thank you very much. Um, I started DJing, I think, back in 2013, um, and... Uh, it looked very differently. Um, I kind of made a name for myself. I collected a huge amount of kind of classic house, US garage house records, and I used to do these really like uplifting, kind of um, really boisterous, um, all vinyl house music sets. So that's kind of how I made a name for myself, and I was called Book Powers back then. And then um, eventually that kind of started to bore me a little bit. I, I started to kind of reach out into something different and started to experiment with a new sound, and that's kind of where I've got you now. So I changed my DJ name in 2019 to Female Wizard, um, and I kind of debuted that with um, appearing at this Boiler Room Disc Woman event in Sydney, which was really exciting um, in 2019. And that's kind of where I, yeah, I guess honed my kind of now more trademark kind of experimental, explorative kind of techno sound. Um, yeah. 
Awesome. And I cannot wait to be back at a gig. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cause, um, I mean, speaking of power trip has previously been an intermittent experimental dance music event. So what inspired yeah. the launch of power trip as a music label? Uh, so power trip has been, um, yeah, so it's been a, a club event that's happened, you know, a couple of times a year. It's also been a mix series for showcasing again, like up and coming queer local artists, um, or DJs and, we used to do a night at a bar called Crazy Arms. That was a monthly night of experimental DJing. So it was very like, um, uh, it was kind of a half sit down, half standing up crowd. You could kind of um, have a chance to do whatever you want. So I think just like what really inspired me about running uh, all these things was just the idea of like giving people platforms, giving people just um, a chance to experiment, um, encouraging people to take risks. Um, and the thing I think with like doing a mix series, right, is if you're an up and coming DJ, um, you can release your own mix. But if you have someone else um, releasing it on their mix series, um, you know, it just it just looks and feels so much better. It might lead into another gig, or you might be able to share it with a promoter, and it just you know it starts kind of this journey of like um, getting you to the next thing. So I guess in lockdown, I thought, well, how can I do that? take it to the next level um and so I kind of feel I have the skills and I'm you know relatively successful enough in the scene I I, I want to do things that give back into the community so the label really just follows the same track so um I want to support queer artists in NAM um I want to help up-and-coming artists have a platform and I want to encourage artists to be experimental. So these are the kind of things that um, led into becoming a level, yeah. Yeah, great. And live shows are returning to venues in Nam, which is very exciting, as Priya mentioned. Can you tell us about any shows that you have coming up or other things you'd like to promote? Uh, well, um, Powership is doing its launch in um, on the 18th of March, so that's coming up at Sub Club, um, and tickets are available already. Um, they almost are sold out, so I'd go check it out, um, which is very exciting. Uh, and the first release is a compilation. So I think we'll be releasing a, just a series of small compilations, um, you know, finely curated. I've chosen three artists to release two tracks each, so I think I'm going to continue that maybe two more times this year. Um, and the artists are Dom134, Alfie, and Mahini. They're all really amazing. And the release comes out on, I think it's the 15th of March. So, um, yeah, you can follow, follow us on Instagram or Facebook if you want to stay up to date with that. The releases are going to come out on SoundCloud and Bandcamp only um bandcamp is um you know one of my favorite music websites if you're not into it already i really recommend getting into it and it treats artists um probably the most equitable treatment of artists in terms of payment and function of the website um out of all the music platforms really um yeah but then apart from myself i am playing um, Le Fag, which is a party that I've been the resident for for, I guess, five years now, although we did lose an entire year. Um, and that's coming up in March too. That's March 12th. No, yes. Yes, March 12th. <laughs> yeah, something that I'm sorely upset about because I missed out on Le Fag tickets. But it's okay. I'll just have to fight someone at the door. Um, yes, fight someone at the door. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you've pretty much 
covered a lot of the ways that people can stay up to date on the on, on what Power Trip's going to be releasing. But is there anything else you wanted to promote or plug or any specific sites or artists you wanted to shout out um, before we wrap? Um, no, I, I really, um, yeah, encourage people to check out Power Trip. I encourage people to check out the release once it's done. I really think um, I haven't heard all the completed tracks yet. Um, I, there's been a bit of back and forth with the artists, but the stuff that I have heard so far, the demos that I've heard have just been so incredible. Um, and I'm just really excited for this release. I think it's going to be really great. Yeah, really keen for it. And thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat with us about it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So that was Alexander Powers, who's a DJ, music producer, event organizer, and contemporary dancer and choreographer living and working on Wurundjeri Country. And uh, they joined us to talk about the upcoming launch of Power Trip, which is a label showcasing local queer dance music. Six years I've been Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison project, giving voice to our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander inmates right across Victoria. It's good to be here because uh, Aboriginal radio and um, you don't really get to do this much. Brings us all together. Time, you'll get your time to take that first step out that front door to freedom beyond these walls. Make sure and I just want to say thank you to all of you for giving us the opportunity to speak on air. The reason, the bigger the calling. Make your commitment and watch things. And you can listen to audio from this year's broadcasts and previous years as well online at any time. Just go to 3cr.org.au forward slash Beyond the Bars. But also while I'm here, I'd like to say thank you for all for coming, um, helping, giving us a chance to do this. It's really good, you know. It's been going for a while now. Hopefully, it goes, it keeps going. You know, like it's, it's good that we can do this and um, get our voice out there as prisoners. We can't blame everything on the external, so let's stop looking for it in the hands of the persecutor, because real power comes from here and it comes from family. If you would like us to post you a free CD, contact the station on 03-9419-8377. You're on 3CR Thursday morning breakfast, 8.55 a.m. And we are coming up to the end of the show, but it's been a pretty packed one. Yeah, it's been huge, and I just was thinking between the interviews, you know, starting off with the Australian Unemployed Workers Union and then leading into that United Workers Union interview, and you can just see the absolute links between that industrial relations policy and then uh, this, like, this um, dismal increase in job seeker and how all that insecure work, casualisation, totally feeds into um, other policies as well around, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think like backing that up with uh, the Rahu interview as well, just seeing the sort of connections between systemic, uh, you know, underemployment, insecure work, and also the failure to have an adequate uh, rate of social security payments for everyone, while also having state level failures around social housing and public housing provision, I think is just so so violent, and we've really seen the the way that that's played out across uh, 2020, and so many people who have um, 
you know, who have become homeless, who have faced eviction, even though there's this supposed eviction moratorium and people are still being evicted. Uh, but people, you know, finally for the first time with that increase, um, with the COVID supplement, being able to afford basic food, medicine, um, groceries, those kinds of essentials to survive and now, uh, you know, are in the face of having that cut all the way back to uh, well below the poverty line. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it's pretty outrageous. Um, but should we go into a rundown now, Priya, of what we talked about on the show? Yeah, we'll give you uh, a bit more of a recap on what we did discuss. And once again, if you did miss the show and if you're interested um, in catching up on some of our previous episodes, you can go to www.3cr.org.au slash Thursday dash breakfast. Um, so we started out uh, today with an interview with Jay Coonan, who's the National Operations Coordinator for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union, who joined us to discuss the coalition government's abysmal raise to job seeker this week and the tightening of mutual obligations, as well as the Australian Unemployed Workers Union's 80 a day campaign. And Jay is also the outgoing policy coordinator for the Australian Unemployed Workers Union. Yeah, and then we went into an interview with Ben Redford, the Director of Strategic Power at the United Workers' Union, and Ben joined us to discuss the government's proposed industrial relations bill and also the United Workers' Union's campaigns around stolen wages. After that, we spoke to Sean, who's a renter in Thornbury, a member of the Renting and Housing Union, or RAHU's eviction defense team, and a neighbor to Louise, who joined us to speak about RAHU's Keep Louise Home campaign. And just a reminder that there will be a protest this coming Saturday at 12 p.m., and you can find more information about that by looking up RAHU on social media. I believe they have a presence on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and finally, finally, we spoke to Alexander Powers and they're a DJ, music producer, event organizer, contemporary dancer and choreographer living and working on Wurundjeri country. And they joined us uh, to talk about the upcoming launch of Power Trip, a local label showing local uh, showcasing local queer dance music. And yeah, something I'm really excited about because I feel like, um, you know, Especially for queer and trans people, there's, we've been pretty isolated during the pandemic. We've lost members of our community and it's been really hard. So I'm really looking forward to the creation of more spaces to uplift queer and trans people in NARM and, um, yeah, really showcase the stuff that we're creating. Featuring world-changing documentaries aimed at inspiring a better world. This year's Transitions Film Festival covers themes of art, activism, climate change, social innovation, epic architecture and the future of our planet. Transitions Film Festival, available virtually from February the 26th to March the 15th, online and nationwide. The Transitions Film Festival is a 3CR supporter. The Rainbow Door is a free, culturally safe, specialist helpline for all LGBTIQA plus Victorians. The helpline provides information, support and referral from experienced peer workers on issues including mental health, family violence, relationships, suicide prevention and sexual assault. For information, support and referral, call the Rainbow Door on 1800 729 367. That's 1800 729 367. 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. 
every day. Switchboard is a 3CR supporter. Well, we are coming up to the end, and I believe uh, this is all we've got time for today. So thank you so much, everyone, for putting up with um, our first time rookie paneling. You probably didn't hear much, uh, but I can assure you there was a lot of panic going on back here. Not at all, Priya. You are absolutely cool as a cucumber. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this week. See you next week. And now we're going to go to Lost in Science. Tracy, breakfast would like to thank the New International Bookshop, Melbourne's radical independent bookseller and venue, for their financial support of this program. You can find Nibs in the basement of Trades Hall in Victoria Street, Carlton. Or check them out at nibs.org.au to find more information about upcoming discussions and events.